This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the program. We are uh, standing by for Steve Babineau. He is the uh, photo- great hockey photographer. Uh, his latest book, uh, Behind the Lens, the World Hockey Association, 50 Years Later, we are standing. There's great shots in here and like really historical ones as well. And some things you, you, you look at the old WHA and you think of the accents that it has now lent to the game. And I just cracked it open uh, a second ago as we stand by for Steve. And the, the first picture I see, and he's one of my favorite players of all time, and his son is uh, works in, in Hollywood, works in the movie industry, and that's Vaslav Nenemanski. And there's a great, well, we expect it's great because Vashi's doing it, uh, documentary coming out about Big Ned, uh, who's now in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Very much look forward to that. But there's a picture of, you know, a couple of pictures here of, of Vaslav Nenemanski. And the one thing that will stand out to, if you're a geek like me, the first thing you're going to notice is, Hmm. Is that the first time anyone's used yellow laces in professional hockey in North America? Well, there it is with Vaslav Nenemanski and a picture of, you know, Frank Mahovlich, uh beside him. We all know about the acrimony between, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Harold Ballard and Frank Mahovlich that led him to leave the NHL uh, and also to uh, to join uh, the WHA. Before that, I was flipping through and Don Smokey McLeod who's no longer with us. There's some great pictures of Smokey in here that Steve has, and his legacy still endures in the NHL. Do you know why? <laughs> um, you probably do. Don Smokey McLeod was the first goaltender to curve his stick, and he used to do it when he played in the WHA. I think the first time he did it was when he played with the Calgary Cowboys. Um, that's one for places like the Society for International Hockey Research to uh, to figure out. But I think Smokey was the first one uh, to curve the blade. So we're, we're standing by for Steve Babineau. Uh, very much look forward to talking to him. There's a nice forward in the book, too, by Howard Baldwin, uh, whose name is synonymous uh, with a few things, actually, but for the purposes of this program, the WHA and the New England Whalers. So standing by for that. Speaking of the WHA, was having an interesting uh, DM exchange yesterday with someone by the name of Mark Murray, uh, whose father was Breen Murray. And we lost Breen uh, not too long ago, uh, who passed away. He was the original play-by-play voice of the Ottawa Civics. Now, when Denver, the WHA, moved, they moved to Ottawa before becoming the Toronto Toros. Stay with me here, folks. I swear I'm going somewhere with this one. So Breen, uh, along with being, actually was, was the first... Ottawa-based reporter for TSN when that network first started. Uh, Breen was a uh, longtime sports radio announcer, and actually, um, in 1979, after Don Cherry was very famously fired uh, from the Boston Bruins, this is before he ended up getting the head coaching job with the Colorado Rockies, uh, Breen used to have a Sunday morning sports talk show. Right, these things used to be unique in the marketplace. Like in the in the seventies, there'd be like the the one show a week where the talk radio station or the the news talker discussed sports. Later, all of this sort of turned into what we know now as you know twenty four hour sports radio uh, stations. But Breen had a talk show Sunday mornings, and he would do a segment with Don Cherry every week. He would do this. This is nineteen seventy nine. He would do this, and the name of that segment was. Coach's Corner. 
before it became Coach's Corner for Television in 1982, Breen Murray, the original play-by-play voice of the WHA's Ottawa Civics, um, used to have Don Cherry on every Sunday morning in a segment called Coach's Corner. We have Steve Babineau on to talk about these wonderful photographs in this outstanding book. Uh, Steve, how are you today? Thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. I'm doing okay down here in uh, Florida. <laughs> Oh, that's that's awesome. A, a, a lovely place to be. And when I think Florida and the WHA, I think of the Miami Screaming Eagles, you know, a, a team that had a, a great jersey design, a, a great logo. They just couldn't get a team on the ice and they turned into Philadelphia and then Vancouver and then Calgary. The uh, uh, the train on that one goes long. Uh, was just talking sure. a little bit before you came on about the WHA. And this is like from 72 to 79. You know, this this rock and like I've, I've sort of described, Steve, and you go back in hockey covering it for so long through your lens, um, I've kind of described the NHL, you know, previous to the 70s as a button-down wrist shot league, and the WHA was a long hair, big mustache, slap shot, bench brawl kind of league. Um, This new book is outstanding. Uh, Behind the Lens, the World Hockey Association, 50 years later, these photographs are amazing and are really good, as I was pointing out, historical markers for a lot of things, like your pictures of Smokey McLeod with his curved goalie stick. I believe he was the first to do that. Your shots of Vaslav Nedimansky with the yellow laces, the European style that he used. I think he was the first to use the yellow laces in North America. Um, First of all, give us your, your nickel and dime tour through this book before we start to drill down a little bit more. Well, this was actually, if you go back, me being in the game so long now, this was my start. I mean, uh, I was a kid back in the day, and we had three times, three three teams playing in the old garden at the time. We had the Bruins, we had the Boston Braves, and the New England Whalers. And I had season tickets to the Boston Braves. I was buying obstructed view seats to go see the Bruins. And all of a sudden, this league comes along, and I decided to go out and buy the first seven-game package to this league, knowing that, you know, Bobby Hull was playing and Johnny McKenzie and, you know, Bernie Perrant. There were some key mm-hmm. players that had left the league to go there. And I had seats in the balcony in the old Boston Garden. And I just wanted to take home something of the game with a photo. And uh, I did that with the Bruins games going down during warm-up because I had obstructed view seats. But I was so tall, I could put my camera right over the top of the glass and take pictures of the guys warming up. In the Boston Braves, I had good seats because it was a minor league team. But, mm-hmm. you know, seeing Larry Robinson and Terry O'Reilly playing in the AHL. And and then, you know, the, the WHA games were not sold out, so I could move down. I could move down a little bit and get a little different angle. And and I just really wanted to take home pictures of the game. And uh, my next-door neighbor used to give me this hockey news to read from Montreal. And I noticed that, uh, you know, after like three games that I had gone to, four games I had gone to, there was just no game action photos. And, you know, I asked my mom if I could make a long-distance phone call to Montreal. And, you know, in those days, you had to dial it in. You had to get the operator, and they told you how much it was per minute. Yep. My mom looked at me, and, and my mom looked at me and said, I'll give you $3. <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, I got Charlie Halpin on the phone. I got Charlie Halpin on the phone, the editor of the Hockey News, and I asked him why he just didn't have any game action pictures. And his response was plain and simple. Kid, we don't have any. Do you have any? And I said, yeah. I said, I've got, you know, gone to a few games. Send me up some. So, you know, that night I set the dark room up in mom and dad's bathroom. 
printing up five by seven pictures, throwing them into the sink and then throwing them into the bathtub <laughs> and mailed them up to Canada. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later, I remember my next door neighbor came to me and he said, I think you might, you might want to keep this one. And I had two pictures blown up, not blown up big, but really small. And, uh, I think it paid $2 and 50 cents a piece. But Mr. Halpin called me back and said, Hey kid, I'm going to get you a season credential. That league needs all the publicity they can get. And next thing you know, I found myself in the garden with a primitive camera that basically got me from the corner to the goal. All right. With one lens and, uh, started shooting some stuff. And next I was published maybe about another eight or nine times that year. And, uh, I remember buying a, saving up some money and buying a different lens. They got me to the blue line (laughs) from where I was. And uh, the summer came and, you know, I asked Mr. Halp and I said, well, what about shooting the Boston Bruins? (laughs) And uh, he says, well, you know, they got a real tough uh, PR guy there, but let me see if I can get you into some games. And that's, that's how it started. I mean, literally the next year I was in shooting Bobby Orr's last two years playing in the game. And, Continued to shoot the WHA, felt an obligation to, you know, stay with the team and uh, shoot. You know, they played in the Garden the first year. They shuttled between the Garden and Boston Arena the second year. Then they played kind of exclusively at the Arena the third year. Then they were supposed to be Hartford, but the building wasn't finished, so we ended up going to Springfield, starting and playing there. I went there, and then the Hartford Civic Center opened up, and I tracked them in there. And then, unfortunately, the Hartford Civic Center collapsed in a snowstorm, and they had to relocate back to Springfield. They had to relocate back to Springfield. But, you know, I mean, I I heard the story about, you know, the 50th anniversary coming up. I heard this a few years ago, and I really had tracked that league for a good period of time, and I really wasn't sure what I really had. But as I really dug into it, I realized that there was really only three franchises or teams that I did not physically take a picture of. And it was the Baltimore Blades, the Calgary Cowboys, and the Ottawa Civics. But I had at least gone to at least one game of every other team that that played. And obviously heavily with Houston or Winnipeg uh, because of Gordy and Bobby Hull playing. And uh, obviously the Whalers. And, you know, I just ran it through my mind and said, you know, hey, you know, let me look. And it literally took me about two years to, you know, find the material. And it was all film, negative film, black and white. It was all slide, color slide film. And, you know, to put that to press, you've got to scan it and put it in a format that that works for the printer. So Mm -hmm. I just started working on it, you know, just started doing it on the side. And then, you know, it looked like, okay, geez, you know, I'm pretty well got this thing covered, I think, (laughs) you know, and, you know, (laughs) knowing that, knowing that I had all these photographs that had never, ever, ever been seen, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, they're beautiful. You know, I ended up down the road. I ended up working, working for tops. You know, I, I worked my first hockey cards were 1976 with the NHL with tops. And, uh, the last couple of years that they did WHA cards, they, they changed from those publicity photos they started to go with game action photos. And here I was with color photos, game action. And, you know, the book shows some pictures there of, you know, certain players that I had done, you know, but it was, 
I don't want to say it, primitive camera, you know, eventually I got a better lens, but the bottom line was available light photography in these arenas that really the lighting was pretty bad, okay, other than when they went to Hartford. Sure. Uh, and, you know, you had to play around with your processing procedure on how you processed your film. But, you know, there was a significant cost involved for, for a young guy like myself at that time for a roll of film and to process it. But, you know, I just looked at it and said, all right, you know, I was an athlete. I grew up as an athlete. I played baseball. I played hockey, hurt my knee playing hockey, which affected my baseball career. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to be a baseball player because I was told I had the talent. And I was told by my coach in, in high school that I had Frank Malzone, the ex-third baseman of the Boston Red Sox, who was scouting for the Red Sox, inquire about who the heck I was after this particular game. So, uh-huh. you know, that was my goal, to, to play in sports. But yeah. hurt playing hockey affected my baseball career, but mm-hmm. I just figured out a way with my camera to stay entrenched, not stay only the with game. the Red Sox. Yeah, shot the Red Sox for 42 years. My son and I are the Celtics photographers. Brian's doing most of that stuff right now but I'm still entrenched in hockey and, you know, growing up as a kid collecting cards and then eventually shooting cards, not only in baseball, but shooting yeah. cards in hockey for these companies. I was pretty like, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> it's, you know, well, so. yeah, I'm, I'm curious as well, because when, you know, I, I think of certain athletes, uh, I think of, you know, famous photographers, like I'll, I'll think of uh, you with the Gretzky rookie. I'll think of Lucier with, you know, with the Bobby Orr, the goal. I'll think of Tarofsky Absolutely. with the Rolko shot of 51. I'll, um, I, I am curious. Listen, I'm sure photographers have their favorites, favorite people to cover. WHA had so many characters. Uh, I mentioned Vaslav Nedimansky a second ago and and Smokey McCloud, and we think of, you know, Derek Sanderson, and there were some legendary tough guys, you know, Machine Gun Gordy Gallant and Frankie Never Beaten, Frankie Seldom Beaten, Frankie Always Beaten as the career went on uh, for Frankie Beaten. Did you have have favorite people to shoot? And if so, who were they? In the WHA? In the WHA. You know, you're asking me about yeah. I mean, obviously, for me, I, I remember seeing Gordie Howe play for Detroit when I was probably about 10 or 12 years old. And, you know, I was just so impressed with him. And here he is making a, a comeback run and bringing his sons along, you know what I mean, for the ride. And in the book, there's a section called uh, The First Family, which is the Howe family, which is Gordie, Mark, and Marty. And to, yeah. to, to be able to shoot them with Houston and not only – there, but then they came to the Whalers and, uh, you know, got to know, uh, Mark a little bit and Marty a little bit. Marty eventually came to the Bruins, you know what I mean? For, for a stint there for a while. Mm. Uh, that was really important. Obviously Bobby Hall with the famous slap shot growing up and hearing that and the curve stick. And here he is playing with these Swedes yeah. and Hedberg and Nilsson. Just to, just to see those three guys on the ice together was, uh, was a treat. And, you know, some ex-Bruins players that ended up playing in that league. Rick Smith played in that league. Turk played in that league. Sanderson and Johnny McKenzie. Yep. And my, you know, I could relate to them because I remember watching them play play with the Bruins. And, uh, you know, Cheever's obviously ch- cheesy. Uh, I had known Cheesy, yep. you know, before he left town to go there. And then he eventually came back, you know. And uh, after he left Cleveland, he came back to the Bruins. And here I was now working with the Bruins, you know. So... You know, it, it, it was just about another, I don't want to say it, another opportunity to, to photograph hockey, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, but, mm-hmm. but be in the front row, be in the front row and, 
try to get a better picture for the bedroom hall. You know what I'm saying? But obviously, trying to find an <laughs> avenue where you trying to find an avenue where you could uh, yeah. where you could potentially market it and sell it. So, uh, but you know, I love the game of hockey, and uh, it's it's pretty. You know, seeing Bobby Orr come to town and I, you know, I was telling talking to somebody yesterday that I actually saw that exhibition game that they played when the Oshawa Generals and the Niagara Falls came to the Garden and played a game, and Orr was playing for oh, Oshawa. 65, and, and, 65. And, 1965, Sanderson, yeah, like 13 years Sanderson old. Was, yeah, yeah. Sanderson, Sanderson was playing for Niagara, and they got in a fight at center ice, you know. And uh, but then seeing Bobby <laughs> with my next door neighbor taking me to games in '66, and seeing how this how this player just was, was like, what is this guy doing? This guy's like unbelievable. You know what I mean? The passing skills, the skating skills. I mean, yeah. that just turned the city around. It, it, you know, it was like we always—it was like we were always playing with the Rangers. Who was going to finish last in the in the in the, the division? And uh, <laughs> but all of a sudden, you know, Bobby comes to town, and there's hope. And we make the trade to get Espo, and next thing you know, we win the Stanley Cup in '69, '70. When my when I'm a senior in high school, I mean, the, the thing for me with the Bruins, the link was my team that I played for in high school used to play our games at the Boston Arena, which is where the Bruins started and we used to practice at Harvard. So we would be practicing at six o'clock at night at Harvard and Bobby Orr and Phyllis Vizito had skated on that ice that morning. So here's this link. And I remember coach oh. Kelly, our high school hockey coach always came up. I uh, was always traveling, moving around with my buddy, my goaltender buddy. And we always, when we go over to the arena and we would practice at the Boston arena, he always came up to me and he said, why are we always in this dressing room? And I said, coach, don't you realize this is the dressing room that the Boston Bruins had back in 1924, <laughs> you know? And I just said, I'm hoping a little bit of Eddie Shure and Dick Clapper like rubs off on us. Cause we, <laughs> were, the, we were the worst high school hockey team ever. That's we lost 44 awesome. straight varsity games. And uh, we set the GBI record in Boston for that. That's awesome. Hey, listen, Steve, yeah. I, I wish we had more time. We're up against it. I wanted to make sure that I had a conversation with you. And just to, just to tell you how much I love this book, uh, the photographs are spectacular. I mean, you're, you're, you're top of your field. And I wanted to make sure that, um, that everybody got a chance to, to learn a little bit more about you and got a chance to see this one. It's, I'll just show it up for everyone watching on Sportsnet 360 right now. Behind the Lens, the World Hockey Association, 50 years later, great offering, the photography of our guest, Steve Babineau. Thanks so much for stopping by today, Steve. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Uh, you too. That's Steve Babineau, um, great photographer. That game, by the way, that he talks about, that 65 game, so that would have been, so both Bobby Orr and, uh, and Derek Sanderson would have been in junior hockey at that point. They probably would have been uh, 18 or 19 years old. And that was the year that one of the most violent incidents I've ever seen took place. 1965 was a Memorial Cup final, the Edmonton Oil Kings, facing off against the Niagara Falls Flyers. And Derek Sanderson sucker punches Bob Falkenberg like I've never seen before. And there's a bunch of Oil Kings alumni who are in the rink, right, at the old Edmonton Gardens. Bob McGill told me his dad was at the game and used to tell him about this incident. There's some Oil Kings alumni there. They dragged Derek, Derek Sanderson of Niagara into a dressing room hit him with a, a goalie stick and knocked him senseless and unconscious. And one of those ex-Oil King players was Glenn Sather. 
Dun, 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 dun. Hour two is coming up. Wish is up in a couple seconds. Keep it here. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. So I have an idea. I've got a couple of minutes here left in the program. Maddie Marchese, my producer, along with me here. Uh, I have an idea, Maddie. Just coming off of uh, our conversation with Steve Babineau in the first hour and getting the DMs and the tweets and the texts for everybody and uh, everyone listening online um, that, uh, that knows him from the Boston area. The author of... Uh, behind the lens, World Hockey Association, 50 years later. I shouldn't say the author of, the photographer in uh, this great book. Um, got me to thinking about something as I was uh, talking to Steve. And man, is he thorough with his answer- answers. Um, how do you feel about, on this program, I don't know how often we do it, maybe once a month, we do an old school book club where everybody, you know, you, me, uh, once Lance is uh, finished, you know, learning how to read, maybe Lance can get involved too. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if they want to play along as well, um, we'll pick a book. We'll pick one hockey book, either a, a new hockey book or an old hockey book. Uh, read it. Have the author on. Everyone submits questions, and that becomes I don't know a tidy half hour on the program, and we wrap it all up as a as a traditional book club. What do you think? Would you so be interested in that? Report, Would you do that? Basically. Century it's a book report, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Century's I, I mean, a place to put all to the to, to, to do something with yeah, to do something with all the all the all the books that I end up reading. So I try to keep a few I'm not sure where I try to keep like at least three hockey books on the go at all times. That's that's a lot of books, Jeff. That's a lot. Yeah, There's I know, dude. This is I, my job. I gotta IQ, be dialed in, dude. Someone who has an IQ probably like below a hundred over here. Um, I mean, that's a lot of books to comprehend. Uh, I can, I can maybe try one. You I think I can do one. You don't, you don't have to do it. We know you're the uh, the enemy of literature. That's fine. <laughs> All I'm saying is essentially, as a courtesy, I'd involve you. But uh, <laughs> as a, <laughs> who was a comedian that said, "All books are kids' books if the kid can read." Uh, Mitch Hedberg, that's who it was. That's um, true. You don't have to be involved. All all I'm doing is essentially giving you a homework project. So there's the idea. You put it together, and we'll do it on the show. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's fine. I think I think I can get on board with that. I have like a thousand hockey books, so I'm sure I can figure it out. I think we should do it with new ones. I really do, and it'll help some authors sell some books too. So I want to keep that help keep that industry as as healthy and vibrant as I can. Anyway, just an send idea. Send them to just an idea. Send them to idea. Matt's address in Beaton. Okay. Anybody who wants to plug a book, <laughs> my DMs are open. Yeah. Let's see what you got. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's a great idea. I, and by the way, Jeff, I just an update on mm-hmm. something. I have a request out yeah. for Alan Nichols. We'll see where it goes, but I have a request out. How did you track down Alan Nichols? I don't. I I found his age. Whoever reps him as an agency, I think. So we'll see where it goes. It was no sent way. out this morning. So we'll see. Do you want to no have promises? A race? Does, but I'm working on it. Do you want to have a race? Is, 
Do you want to do you, do you want to have a race to see who can get to Alan? Now, Alan Nichols, for those who don't know, we were talking uh, about the movie Slapshot and our favorite characters, and for me, it's Johnny Upton, uh, the captain, and Alan Nichols is uh, the man who played that part, and I've always wanted to have a conversation with him. Um, so do you want to have a race so you can get to him first? Yeah, you're going to win that because you know more people, but I'm willing to take part. <laughs> you're the best Maddie. thanks to uh, Matt Marchese our producer here for the program thanks to all of our guests uh, Wednesdays we spend with Greg Wyshynski thanks as always uh, to Wish from ESPN thanks to Steve Babineau uh, photographer and author of Behind the Lens the World Hockey Association 50 years later that's a cool offering man and uh, Elliot Friedman uh, for stopping by tonight there is only a couple of games uh, on Wednesday Night Hockey we'll see the Philadelphia Flyers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs are back at home, much to the chagrin of many of their fans, but nonetheless, you can watch that one on Sportsnet 1. Uh, pay attention. Pre-game 6.30 Eastern. Puck drop just after 7. Also at 7.30, it's the Swords and the Pens. Enjoy the hockey tonight. We're back tomorrow. Thanks, Lance. Thanks, Jen. You guys are the best. Back tomorrow.